say jeepers. It's harmless phosphorescence. Everyone, this is your host, Throw Smiley, and I too draw myself in situations with Brooke Shields. I'm not going to share those drawings, though. <laughs> Who's joining me this week? Josh Cece, and I'm glad you're here, but I'll tell you one thing the horses are extra. Let me show you something I learned when I was in the Boy Scouts of America. I'm Brian Lesh. I'm Alaric Weber, and I believe I'd be a suck egg mule if I wasn't. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that was my number two. It's true. <laughs> I am a sucker. Uh, this is Harmless Phosphorescence. It's the podcast where we watch some movies. <laughs> we tell you all about them. Uh, I've got to rewrite this beginning because there's we, we're so far past the initial premise of this podcast that I don't know what we are anymore. But we watch movies. Right now we're watching a uh, series of uh, kind of comic strip-based or comic-adjacent films. Uh, we uh, gather some research into the production and the source material, and we tell you all about it. This show is brought to you by patrons. Patrons like executive producers, pro- producers Michael Beckwith and Atticus Burkett. You can be a patron, too. Go to patreon.com slash harmlessentertainment. Um, we got lots of bonus stuff there. Uh, we've Got a bunch of Star Wars stuff up there and music shows. Uh, we're gonna be be uh, doing our follow up to everything which every which way but loose, which is anything that you can do. Clyde can do better. The return of Clyde. Which yeah. way but goose? And <laughs> any any which monkey but back. Um, <laughs> any any which way you can. I think is the actual name of the film. We'll be doing that this month. Um, a buck a month. That is all you need to get started there. Patreon.com slash Harmless Entertainment. This week on Harmless Phosphorescence, we are watching Brenda Starr. She started in the comics. I've had it. So bug off, Buster. Yes, Brenda! Now she's jumped to the front page. What was that? Just the biggest story since the atomic bomb. But the story isn't the only thing on her mind. Hello. In the last 24 hours, she's been kidnapped. Forget it, sister. I'll be back. Shot at. Catch her! Hijacked. Take us to the Amazon. The horses go extra. Tortured. Jeepers! And fed to piranhas. Oh, no. She's much more than a woman. Much more than your average reporter. Get me the White House, please. Are you okay? Much more than any man could handle. What do they want? You. She's a star. This is a star. Brenda Starr. Brooke Shields. Already? And Timothy Dalton. In Brenda Starr. Brenda Starr. Um, that trailer was in higher definition than the actual movie we watched. <laughs> it was. Except for that soft light of Timothy Dalton turning on the desk lamp. <laughs> yeah. Did did this air in a did this play in theaters? Yes. For like a week or two or uh, yeah, we'll get there. There's a it was it was in theaters at 
eventually. Um, that's it's a journey getting there. Um, it was released in the United States on April seventeenth, nineteen ninety two. Oh, is uh, that Rodney King riots? Was ninety <laughs> two? It was. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's the like week before the the riots in L.A. This is another <laughs> another tragic victim of the Rodney King riots. This, uh, this what was the sparked, other movie that we had? sparked the riots? Well, yeah, what was it? There was another movie that they blamed the Rodney King riots on oh. its failure. Or was it O.J.? Yeah, it was Rodney. Yeah. Or was it the O.J. Simpson? No, no, it was Rodney King. I can't remember. Which, I can't King, remember. Yeah. Was it was it wasn't? Oh, what was it? Was it? Um. Ah, I can't remember. At some point, one of us might. Um, but yes, so. Well, we just did a run of 92 movies. We did. Oof. Yeah. I don't, Sorry. Sorry, yeah. it doesn't help. <laughs> so, yeah, this was uh, released, like I said, in 1992. Uh, runs 93 minutes long. It cost $16 million. And at the box office, it brought in 67000 dollars oh my gosh yeah um it was not a hit yeah um but that's okay because the only real loser there is the uh, saudi arabian royal family which we'll get to um wow wowzers um yeah that's uh that's as good a segue as any we want to get into the box office top 10 game let's do it this is the game where I will describe the top 10 movies of the week of uh, April 17th, 1992. Um, Brenda Starr opened at number 20 that week, so it will not be in the top 10. <laughs> and I, I think I think that's the highest it ever got. <laughs> so, well, if it made $60,000, I don't expect it to go up. Yeah. Yeah, it made $30,000 its first week, so... 60000 smackaroos. Uh, all right, so... Opening. <laughs> Not opening, but at number 10. This week, the week of April 17th, 1992. A young... Oof, mixed blood FBI agent is assigned to work with a cynical veteran investigator... Thunderheart. Thunderheart. Yes, that was uh, Kilmer, right? Yeah, Sam yeah, Shepard. Sam, Sam Sh- it's a really good movie. I, lo- I love the movie. It's interesting the things you can get away with in 92, though. Uh, in the description of a movie, the term mixed blood is uh, yeah. definitely dated. It's a weird way to put it, but yeah, he's yeah. He's, he's half indigenous. A, a, ha- yes, say a half Native American. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oof. We say mixed race. Yeah. Yeah, It's one of those soft language is going to destroy us anyway. Yeah. It's just interesting to hear it. Like, oh, 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 hey, mixed. Yeah. Yeah. Mixed mixed blood is half a step from mud blood. (laughs) Like, yeah. 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 But Uh, yet it means the same thing. Just one word makes us feel warmer. Yeah. Mixed Uh, race. At uh, number nine this week. Two slacker friends try to promote their public access cable show. Main's World. Party time. Excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> number eight. 
The magical inhabitants of a rainforest fight to save their home. Ferngully. Ferngully. The last rainforest. Oh. Ferngully, the last rainforest. I forgot that it had a subtitle. Yeah. Uh, um, opening this week at number seven. An American doctor, a British nurse, and an illiterate Indian farmer walk into a bar. No. Um, unite uh. to transform <laughs> a Calcutta ghetto in this uplifting, inspirational movie starring Patrick Swayze and Pauline Collins. Jesus. <laughs> um, Patrick Swayze is white savior. I'm Obviously. assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was definitely like a uh, like prestige Oscar-y swing on his part. En- English patient kind of movie. Yeah, but much worse. Is He's trying to punch poverty out of the... <laughs> he's going to dance like, poverty away. Yeah, dance it away. <laughs> Nobody puts India in the corner. Except um, Britain. Britain definitely yeah, put India it, it in the corner. definitely did. I don't know. It's called City of Joy. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> um, opening at number six this week... A uniformed police officer is recruited by the DEA to infiltrate a drug smuggling ring looking to expand its operation. That's Lawrence Fishbourne on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're see. muted. No, uh, what were you saying? Um, it- I just said he's doing it on purpose now. Yeah, I am. Um, um, New Jack City? No. Oh, with uh, music by Dr. Dre. Um, In 92? Yeah. He'd be the oh. perfect criminal if he wasn't the perfect cop, <laughs> Tell, says the tagline. Um, it's called Deep Cover. I have not heard of this. Oh, I've hmm. heard of it. I've never seen it. Mm. Um, opening at number four. Five this week. <laughs> a baseball legend is unheroic to those that know him. A league of their own? No. The Babe. Of dreams? The Babe, yeah. The Babe. The Babe. I was totally... Oh, I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. It's The Babe. Pig in the city. Uh. <laughs> That'll do. What Babe? <laughs> the babe with the power. <laughs> the power of home runs. Power of and, calling and your shots. Pitch, pitch three balls in one hand. No. And yeah. eat an entire child in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drank an entire gallon of bourbon with dinner. Then <laughs> the arm wrestled Andre the Giant. Yeah, they don't make them like they used to. Him and Teddy They're Roosevelt right used to go out bear wrestling together. <laughs> Uh, uh, at number four this week at the box office, a mother and son team of strange supernatural creatures move to a small town. (laughs) (laughs) Mother and son are strange creatures? I think so, yes. Uh, They move to a small town that outlawed dancing. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to uh, seek out a young virgin to feed on. 
Um, this oh, is Stephen sun. King adjacent. If I, yeah, no, yeah, it's a Stephen King joint. Um, they feast on your fear, and it's dinner time. Oh, oh. God, I know what this is. Mother's. Sleepwalkers. Sleepwalkers. Yeah, I was, I was good. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you Al. I talked to myself out of that one. Yeah, it was. Uh, I oh, guess indeed. it says the first Stephen King story written expressly for the screen. Um, I would like to uh, discuss Maximum Overdrive. Well, I guess it was based on a short story, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Even though I Stephen King was, wrote the was... script. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at number three this week. Um, a an a, an adoptee becomes the center of attention for a loving family, but must contend with a kidnapping doctor and his henchman Annie Annie uh, Annie was the one that got hit by Annie. the the um, Rodney King riots that's the last movie we were talking about that with Annie what? It, Annie was it, like it was 1982 oh that's why I made this joke because 92 it, that came out in 82 but it oh you know, god that's right it. we just did 82 my brain is broken Back in 82, you could be anyone by the side of the road that you wanted to. It wasn't yeah. until the nine, 90s when we were like, hey, hey. Yeah. They're, cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. in 82, the, 82 was still essentially 1952 as far as anything outside yeah. of like. Yeah. Only the drugs and music were different. Yeah. Um, this is uh, the adoptee may or may not be a human being. Okay. Um, is this? Not the omen. No. The, no, no, the no. The good son? No, 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 no. By not a human being, I mean not not supernatural, but a a a a, a uh a, An a animal? Ra- yes. Okay, give me the real the, quick. The, this this guy is really giving Charles Grodin the business. Oh, oh Beethoven. Beethoven, Beethoven yes. That uh, man will remain a mystery to me until the day. Charles Grodin. Yeah. Yeah, no. I have no idea what he ever was planning to do with his career, but I love the choices he made. It was bizarre, and he's a bizarre personality to be yeah. in all the roles he was in. And he 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 knows how to act with Muppets better than Better than most. anybody. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's crazy that he has the same chemistry with Kermit the Frog as he has with Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah, or Miss Piggy. I genuinely yes. believed he oh, was into her. <laughs> no, that man was looking to romance that pig. <laughs> oh, Groden. <laughs> I um, love him, and so I married an axe murderer. Oh, he wow. He tries to commandeer his car. He's just like, no. What do you mean, no? No. <laughs> I just love it. Um, at number two this week, two hustlers join forces to double their chances of winning money on the street. Sting? No. And not Dirty that was Rotten like seventy-two, Tomatoes. Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Brian's time slipping. <laughs> um, Dirty Rotten that ended in two. No. No, no, no. These hustlers have a specific skill set that revolves around a sport. Rounders? No. No. Oh. Is um, it pool? Oh, white ju- men can't jump. White men oh, are ah. unable to jump, yes. 
I'd like to argue that we we can't really jump very high. Okay, yes, true. <laughs> Fair. <sighs> and I only jump when David Lee Roth tells me it's okay. You, you can what about go the Pointer Sisters? No. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Them too. Um, at- what about House of Pain? Oh, what about Crisscross? So many people want us to jump. They really yeah, do. The knees. It's bad on the knees. It is. Um, when did music get so demanding on its listener? <laughs> well, and, and, and the Miami Sound Machine urging us to dance. Yeah. That that was right next to the CNC Music Factory. They were similar in the. Yes. <laughs> they were always telling us they're like twist again. <laughs> Remember how last summer you twisted? Do it now. Again. Uh, um, at number one this week, and it's fifth weeks, still number one, a violent police detective investigates a brutal murder that might involve a manipulative and seductive novelist. Basic instinct. Basic instinct. Oh, that's why 92 came up. Yeah. yeah. That must I'll have bet. been a 92 movie that, that we were. Yeah. That was a 92 movie we did, yeah, a few months ago. <laughs> I can't. And it was, five, at this point, it was five weeks. Yeah, we must have talked about it then. Which one was it? Encino Man was, what? Uh, there was one of them. That, like that, oh, the, the Rutger Hauer movie. The Rutger Hauer movie blamed the Rodney King. Oh, that's right. Oh, what was oh, that, that movie called? Split Second? Yeah. Like yeah. That. yeah. It was Split Second. Yeah, but that's right, because the title has nothing to do with the movie. Uh, that movie. Blame it on the riots. Uh, you know, April 25th, 1992, there was a riot going on. Tell me, where were you? I was watching Split Second. I was watching yeah. Split Second. I was in line oh. for Brenda Starr. Thank you. And I'm pretty sure that Sublime Lyric is not the right date. I think that the riots were on the 22nd. I think that, they, I think that Brad Noel changed the words because it didn't sound right. I panicked or and mess. I found the I safest know. place I could think of a showing of Brenda Starr. <laughs> Or it was, or it was like the early '90s when he wrote that song, and there was no internet, and he couldn't look it up, and that was the the best of his memory. <laughs> it was like it was the end of April, like the 25th or something. Close enough. I thought it was June. Maybe Oops. I'm wrong. Um, I yeah. My my biggest memories of that is the daily Channel One, like updates we got in. On the school it's announcements, cool. yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Anderson Cooper and Lisa Ling. Yeah. Really? That yeah. was who was doing the school announcements all the way back then. Well, uh, I did the school announcements. They, <laughs> Channel um, One, um, Channel One was something that was broadcast, you know, ed- to schools educationally. Um, and it was where Anderson Cooper got to start. Lisa Ling, I think, a couple of other. Because I remember hearing uh, about Channel One, but I don't think it was a service that was around when I, by the time I was in school. Yeah, it was. Um, I remember teachers talking about like, oh, I remember Channel One. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was basically a ten-minute like news of the world for for the teens, or like a science corner or international news. Yeah, it's pretty cool that you did the announcements, Josh. I did the announcements with my uh, best friend, whose name is also Josh. It was a whole that thing. Was, it was there was, it was a, there a was a war thing. with another duo and like. <laughs> Thoreau, did you we, also do announcements? I never did the announcements. No, I, I did. I had a, a weekly. It was 
not as scripted and entertaining as the Josh and Josh show. Entertaining is arguable, but yeah. Yeah, they never would have let me do the announcements. I did all the sports games, and that was a risk. I was just going to say, we covered the football games because we were the least sporty, you know, whatever. And um got to be a thing. The football team loved us. Yeah. <laughs> Until we got so lazy where we started recording both reaction videos so we could leave during halftime. <laughs> like, <laughs> we would have somebody, somebody say it was a great win. Then say it was a great loss, a terrible loss. The whole, uh, the whole like Nixon like has two speeches in case they die on the moon thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so lazy. Uh, <laughs> Anywho. All right. Well, that, that. I just love the idea of Nixon being lazy writing that second speech. He's <laughs> like, they died. I don't have any copies of any of them. I think they've been recorded over, but I have one episode that never made it to air oh the lost throw episode you're, you're in that one it was oh, like okay. a campus cleanup day oh and they just thought yeah like there's a shot of mcjunket walking down the hole ripping all the pep posters off of people's <laughs> so creating litter wasn't that one like too hot <laughs> to air yeah. like like yes the masses can't take it that was towards where they're like we're cutting the plug on all this thing <laughs> Uh, the chief is on my ass. <laughs> Where's the news? <laughs> so, all right, that that is the box office top ten, which brings us ninety-two, man. Yeah, which brings us to uh, the character and comic strip background. Al, star us. I will. Uh, Brenda Starr, reporter, is a newspaper comic strip about a glamorous, adventurous female reporter in Chicago. It was created in 1940 by Dale Messick, pseudonym of Dahlia Messick, for the Chicago Tribune Syndicate. Although set in Chicago, Brenda Starr, reporter, was the only syndicate strip not to appear in the Chicago Tribune newspaper when it came out. She worked for a competing newspaper. That's why. Uh, the Flash. Yeah. Get the Flash free the movie The Flash is in New York. Yeah, mm, the movie put her in New York. But um, same ownership as Annie that we learned last week. The yes, yes, indeed. Uh, when the strip debuted on June 30th, 1940, it was relegated to a comic book supplement that came with the Sunday Tribune. It eventually appeared regularly in the Sunday Tribune paper proper, but a daily strip was not added until October 22nd of 1945. The strip saw its greatest popularity in the 50s, appearing in 250 newspapers. Dahlia Messick submitted her first comic strip, Ouija, fresh out of high school in the 20s. No idea what it was about, but it was rejected. I'm assuming ghosts. I don't know. Ouija? Like, oh, not like not like the not Ouija board. Not an Ouija board? Oh. No. W-E-E-G-E-E. Oh. I assume it's somebody who cleans mm. windows or something. <laughs> Ouija with a squeegee. After attending the Art Institute of Chicago, Messick made her living designing greeting cards. Messick submitted three more strips in the 30s. 
Peg and Pooty and Streamlined Babies were about Depression-era heroines ahead of their time, while Mimi the Mermaid explored a fantasy theme. Believing <laughs> the editors were prejudiced against female cartoonists, Messick signed her work Dale Messick. Still, all her strips were rejected. Oof. They're like, it's not about you being a woman. <laughs> In 1940, Messick created a new heroine, girl bandit Brenda Starr, whose looks were modeled after film star Rita Hayworth and named after popular socialite Brenda Frazier. Hmm. I can see the Rita Hayworth. Yeah. She submitted the strip to the Chicago Tribune New York News Syndicate, but Syndicate Chief Joseph Metal Patter Patterson, quote, had tried a woman cartoonist once and wanted no more of them. Oh, no. What the? See, that just won't, that won't compute in my brain. Yeah. Patterson's assistant, Molly Slot, who would eventually become vice president of the syndicate, found the discarded samples and encouraged Messick to make Brenda a reporter. Patterson then accepted the strip, but initially ran it only in the Tribune's Sunday comic supplement, as previous stated, previously stated. Even after it became a daily strip five years later, Patterson refused to run Brenda Star Reporter in his other paper, the New York Daily News. Brenda Starr finally made it into the Daily News in 1948, two years after Patterson's death. The strip was met with other forms of chauvinist resistance after it was established. Whenever Messick drew in cleavage or a navel, the syndicate would erase it. Messick was once banned in Boston after Brenda was shown smoking a polka dot cigar. In Boston. A polka dot cigar? Polka Baby dot cigar. Smoke cigars in Boston. <laughs> yeah, Bender, what's that? Dolly Messick continued as the strip's creator until she retired in 1980, after which the strip was continued by several female writer illustrator teams. And Brenda Star Reporter ended its comic strip run on January 2nd, 2011. Characters appearing in this movie. We have, of course, Brenda Starr, ace reporter for the Metropolitan newspaper, The Flash. The picture of a modern woman, contemporary in her clothing and hairstyles, noted for her exotic adventures and steamy romances. And her nonsensical travel plans. <laughs> yeah. Um, Basil St. John, Brenda's mystery man. Known for his eye patch and black orchid serum. Brenda <laughs> Sorry, known for his eye patch. Be like being known for your prosthetic leg. This is my friend Brad. He's known for his fake leg. He's not known for the jumbo cobra that lives in the Amazon. <laughs> the Cobra Grande. He's not known for <laughs> the Cobra Grande. Thank you. The Doritos Locos Cobra Grande. Yeah. Um, Brenda and Basil finally married before Dolly and Messick's retirement. The couple had a baby girl named Star Twinkle St. John. Star Twinkle St. John. This wow. is when they became yeah. hippies. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, that's some real hippie shit right there. Kanye Star figured child. out how to name his children from this comic book character. <laughs> Kanye, yeah. Um, apparently, Basil had a child from another woman 
whose name was Sage St. John. That cad. Hmm. And their child's name was Incense. (laughs) (laughs) And then Peppermint was the other one. Uh, I think it was Rosemary's baby. (laughs) Uh, Then we have Pesky Miller, wisecracking cub reporter. Rarely taking an active role in the story, Pesky served as a voice in the newsroom that admires Brenda. Hank O'Hare, female city editor, with a notably androgynous look, helps keep Brenda's feet on the pavement. Atwell Livewright, a managing editor at The Flash, a tough boss with a heart of gold, reinforced with steel. The wiki article I read did not mention any direct analogs to Libby Lipscomb, Brenda's rival at a competing newspaper, nor the Russians Vladimir and Luba, but these plot elements must surely have appeared at some point. Um, Brenda Star Reporter was a comic book series published by four different publishing houses, uh, Four Star, Superior, Charlton, and Dell between the years of 1947 and 1963. And finally, there were two lines of Brenda Starr fashion dolls. The first in the 60s, uh, didn't go so well, and the second in the 2000s. The 60s one was very Barbie-like. Just put red hair on it. I mentioned this last night when we were talking about the movie. the cutout paper dolls. I googled it. There are so many Barbara Star cutout paper dolls. I just texted you guys a picture of them. Um, but Abretha, her cousin, is that what we determined? Abretha's the uh, cousin. A breath of breeze. <laughs> a breath of breeze. I thought it was Abretha, like a like Aretha. Uh, I, I thought it was Abretha because a breath of fresh air. That's true. Um, but there's an Abretha, Abretha, cutout doll, and it is incredible. Oh, there oh. is. Wow. Oh, it is wow. incredible. Is she dressed like Wonder Woman? She looks like a portly Wonder Woman. I mean, Wonder Woman is wearing women's underwear from the uh, time. So fair. she's wearing women's underwear from the time. Because it was um, a BDSM strip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's interesting to see that they were they were selling comics so that girls would buy them so that they could change their outfits. You know, I mean, it's it's very sexist. But at the same time, it's interesting that there's a target market for women for comics and that they were trying to... Mm, not mangle, massage their product into something that would be more palatable for girls. Because I'm sure this this comic was on its back heels the entire time it existed. I don't think that it was ever wildly popular. It had four comic book, you know, distributors. and Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean... Um, when we did... Oh. When we were talking about... No, Brenda Starr was not. When we were talking about Annie, I was saying uh, I did like a top ten comics... Um, I actually don't think Brenda Starr was in there because uh, it would have been too. Oh yeah, it was too soon. But I mean, so she's a she's a reporter. I'm just curious. Uh, did she do? Was there any World War II correspondence stuff with Brenda Starr in Europe? She didn't start till or after World Pacific? War II, right? Oh, I thought she predated. Uh, ex- or was it? Like yeah, 1940. She, 1940. Oh, she, 40. Okay, she started. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Didn't, uh, uh, yeah, my sources did not reveal a lot of the plot lines from the early days. That that was uh, that, that's what we got. All right, 
Okay. Well, thank you, Al, for that uh, look into the source of. Uh, I'm just looking at Brenda Star Reporter, the film. Uh, in 1945, the 25th serial uh, by Columbia Pictures was Brenda Star Reporter. So there was a serialized version of this in 1945. Yeah, and there was also a 1976 TV film. Hmm. Um. So I mean, it was a popular. I IP. understand the appeal. Yeah, I mean, female reporter. Um. Yeah. I want a brief. So okay, because it got its start as a syndicated strip, not not a book as much. I mean, it went into comic books, but started as a strip. I briefly, um, I found a uh, the uh, let's see, it is the Ohio. What's it called? The Ohio Blade. Um, from uh, the week that this was released, ran a story called "Brenda Becomes Brooks Bomb." <laughs> Which- <laughs> Wow. About how badly it's doing. They they break it down. At the Man Westwood, Brenda Star ticket sales Wednesday totaled $311 for the day, which works <laughs> out to an average of 10 moviegoers a show. <laughs> like, we really want to drive home how much people don't right. like this movie. <laughs> In terms of math. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what their target market was. Was this a movie for young women? Is this a movie for young men? Is this a u- movie for adult women? It like mm. today we have that like that cross section of like what were they targeting? Right. They don't. I. It's hard to say because it didn't really get made that way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. There we go. But just real fast, um, that story is right next to the uh, comics page of the Ohio Blade from ni- April uh-huh. nineteen ninety two. <laughs> Um, Brenda Starr is not running in this co- in on here, but we do have, of course, Garfield, Peanuts, Calvin and Hobbes, Funky Winkerbean, <laughs> for better or worse. Blondie's still running. Um, and Sally's probably in the there. weekly Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, I just want to read this Spider-Man um, <laughs> right here. Uh, <laughs> Mary Jane says to Peter. When we were married, you told me the story of why you had become Spider-Man, and I loved you for it. And I remember the lesson you said you had learned. With great power comes great responsibility. Wow. And Peter says, which means I can never stop being the web spinner, just as I can never stop loving you more and more each day. And they kiss. But they're not married anymore, <laughs> is what I'm led to believe from I that. Guess. I don't think they were married yet at that point, right? But it, well, because she says when we were married. Does yeah. that mean like oh, oh, she on, does, our, she on our wedding day? I think day? she means on our wedding day. Oh, okay, I think not, current... not back before our divorce. But can you just uh, like imagine like week to week you're like <laughs> trying to catch up on Spider-Man? Yes. And yeah. this week all they do is say I love you and kiss. Every week was because it was three panels, right? So every week it was just three sentences of exposition. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was hard. That, of course, is right next to the Wizard of Id. Um, Kathy. Yeah. And Kathy. Kathy. Uh, um, yeah. Garfield this week is tremendous. He's playing with a ball of string <laughs> and it, it unravels. <laughs> yeah. On top of him. And he thinks to himself, 
we're having some fun now. Oh, that's, that's it. That's our whole Sonic trip. Cat. <laughs> so yeah. this, this was not the Sundays. This was. Uh, this is a weekday strip. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is a weekday strip. Uh, but like some of the other ones on here Gil Thorpe, Curtis, Apartment 3G, Steve Roper. These are all. Um, I remember too many of those. The, yeah, those are all like those soap opera ones that were like right. ongoing serialized. They weren't like funnies. Mm-hmm. So, what was the doctor one that ran forever? Do- oh. oh. It, Rex, Rex something MD, Rex, right? Rex Reed? Rex MD. No. Not yes. Rex Reed. He was a movie critic. Yeah. And Rex Allen was a cowboy, but it was Rex Morgan MD? Rex Might Morgan have, MD. Yes. yes. That's yeah. what it is. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes uh, parodied it a, a couple of times. It was mm. always so fun to see him and Sally playing dolls or playing house. Yeah. But in, but in Rex Morgan MD style. <laughs> uh, all right. So so to to the production of the film. Um, in 1981, uh, there was there was a script going round. And it was reported that Deborah Harry was going to play Brenda Starr. That could be cool. It could be. I've never. Ha, ha, did she? Does has she done any film work? I can't think of anything. I mean, is this really that demanding of a role? I guess not. But um, she's not really acting. She's just kind of saying lines. Yeah. No. No offense to Brooke Shields. That's just I mean, how the character's written. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like Brooke Shields is fine in this. I feel like she doesn't really have the chops. Like, she should have been a little snappier, more wise, like, not wisecracking, but a little. little. She's like a discount Lois Lane. She should have been more Lois Laney. Yeah. She should have been a better version of Lois Lane. Yeah. Um, but George Hamilton, at that point, was going to play Basil St. John. Which... Oh, God. He still could have played it in 92. It would have been incredible. <laughs> well, that's the thing is this movie was released in 92 but it was not made in 92 oh my god i didn't even consider that um so in 1984 tomorrow entertainment uh bought the rights to make for to the brenda star film um they were going to make a low budget movie um that was going to be made for television um they hired james buchanan and uh nora stone to write the script james buchanan and Nora Stone are, um, oh, not Moon. So, okay. Nora Stone's, uh, Noreen? Maureen? Noreen. Noreen. I'm sorry, not Nora. Noreen Stone, um, is mostly known for writing Dynasty <laughs> episodes. Um, yeah, TV. They were TV writers, basically. Um, and it was supposed to be a, a TV film. So that would have worked so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this would have been a great pilot for a TV show. Mm -hmm. I mean, not, not all two hours of it, but no, No, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so they were contacted by Terry Shields, Brooke Shields, mom, because Brooke, was a huge Brenda Starr fan and wanted to play Brenda Starr. Oh my God. Are yeah. you kidding? That's incredible. At this point, at this point, 1984, Brooke Shields is 19 years old. 
So. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, you could tell she's into it. She's not a very good actress in general, but um, you could tell she's into it. Yeah. She's she looks like she's job. having fun. Doing she it. does. Which, which, for this kind of role, is the main thing. Right. Um. So, uh, they 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 obviously agreed to Brooke Shields since they were not expecting to get anyone of that liberal level of fame involved. Um, and uh, they they got in contact with a, an investor, Sheikh Abdul Aziz Al Ibrahim, brother-in-law <laughs> of the Saudi King Fahd. Wow. Um, he had three conditions by which he would finance the film. Sure. Brooke Shields has to play Brenda Starr. Okay. It has to be theatrical, made for theaters, not for television. And there would be no advanced distribution deal negotiated. Um, I was expecting crazy conditions. Yeah. yeah. That's, that yeah. seems pretty boilerplate. He didn't He didn't demand a James Bond well, play Basil. Right. Or like his own personal elephant be in the movie or some right, weird like Saudi that. prince. <laughs> well, it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. And there's, of course, a lot of... there. Uh, okay, so there's was some of that... The tawdry Hollywood rumors about, you know, Brooke Shields, young, like how, you know, going to the Middle East as favors for the (laughs) Saudi royal family. In the uh, parlance. It's not uncommon for young ingenues to visit the Middle East. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's that's not, yeah, that hasn't changed. That's interesting, though, to consider. Yeah. Well, because she's been tucked Qatar is a beautiful city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Yeah. She poor Brooke Shields. Actually. Yeah. No. She had a. Ru- oh my God. It was like Jodie Foster. Like. It, yeah. Obviously, it changed these women. I read and like their parents are involved too, like pushing them into roles. I read it. Doesn't help. I mean, her. She. She had a Playboy layout when she was ten years old. She was ten years old. She was not nude. Pretty baby. She was not nude in it, but she had a Playboy layout. Yeah, because in that movie, she's wearing like slips and satin. Like she's basically well. And there's an article about like her first kiss and stuff, and that she wrote that that was from her point of view. I don't think she actually wrote it, but it was from her written from her point of view at the age of ten. And talking about what she likes in a in a man. She's not talking about uh, boys. She refers to them as men. She wrote a memoir recently. I bet it's depressing as shit. Yeah, yeah. she had a Brooke Shields seventies life was fucked up. Um, is she a Scientologist, or am I thinking of somebody else? No, but what you're thinking of is she did an interview on Oprah or something talking about postpartum depression and how medication helped her. And Tom Cruise took his that's time, right, energy, right. and platform to break this woman down. That's the one where he called Matt her. Lauer glib, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Okay. That was around He's that like, same time. She said, you don't need medication. You just need to get rid of Thetans. She's a fucking. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out Matt Lauer it. wasn't glib. He, <laughs> he, he was actually abusive. So. Yeah. He was a creep. Yeah. He wasn't glib. He was horny, Tom. Yeah, I I wonder if she if she's one of the ones who got away from Scientology because there there are people that clearly like were in their realm that got mm. out of their little their little yeah. orbit 
and then they fought for 10 years to tear those people down um because they famously do that i'm curious if she's one of those people because tom cruise doesn't just sick himself on people no 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 i mean look what they did to leah rabidi and she was the most famous high profile but yeah yeah um where is Shelly Miscavige? That's what I want to know. <laughs> For real, man. I just want to know, is Shelly okay? <laughs> she's not, bro. <laughs> yeah, she's not alive, I'm sure. They threw in that volcano where all the or, Satans. <laughs> or she's in that vault in the desert, uh, just polishing all of L. Ron Hubbard's books. Yeah. For so perpetuity. Uh, um, all right. So. Anyway, Scientology Corner, over. Um. They uh, Let's start a podcast, Brian. You yeah. and me, Scientology Corner. Uh, um, so I, I don't want them coming to my house. I do. the the Sa- <laughs> The Saudis did have script input, and they quote said things like, "On page twenty two, you will introduce a dream sequence." Okay, what? now it makes sense. Yeah. On page twenty three, you're going down the Amazon. Page twenty four, mm. you're in India. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, Bob Mackie was ah, hired to design all of her outfits. He's a genius, or yeah. was a genius. We were talking about Carol Burnett last week. He that the Gone with the Wind sketch. That was him. Mm. He designed that curtain rod dress. Yeah. My my intro- Bob, Bob Mackie was a genius. My introduction introduction to Bob Mackie was through Millhouse. <laughs> Bob <laughs> Mackie. <laughs> Yeah, on the Simpsons oh, when he no. burns his hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. the things that impressed Millhouse. I guess he's like Bob Mackie. Uh, oh, Bart, I shouldn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the costume is fantastic, but yeah. that goes with the like cutout paper doll thing. Yeah, it's like one of the best parts of the film, easily. Oh, yeah, it's the thing that kept me focused on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, they also hired uh, another writer to do another pass on the script, working under the name Jenny Wolkind, because she did not want her name attached. Delia Efron, sister of Nora Efron. Uh, interesting. All right. That, yeah. They got the wrong Efron to touch this one up, I guess. Delia Efron also wrote or had a writing pass done on the film Mixed Nuts, which we did an episode on last Christmas. A very charming Steve movie. Martin. We all agree. Oh, okay. Yeah, you remember that movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the suicide prevention. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of clever banter, almost Howard Hawks-like in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they started filming in July 1986. <laughs> I'm sorry, come again? <laughs> 1986, six years years before it was released in the United States. Yes. Um, Technically speaking, there was some complicated shit going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I mean, was Barbara Starr involved? (laughs) Sorry, we've got to send Brooke Shields to Eastern Europe one more time. (laughs) We've got to send her everywhere. Um, they did hook up with Golan and Globus at some point during the production. It's unclear as to exactly what their uh, 
what their their contributions were. Um, obviously, there was some financial, but Golan and Globus, Canon, the Canon Group, responsible for what Supergirl? I think we did Superman some Four, of our Superman Four movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which suddenly things become so clear when we find out this movie was made by a crazy Saudi investor and Golan and Globus. Yeah, it all now makes sense. It's like, why is she going here and there for no reason? Because of coped up she thought she should. Yeah. Yes. Um the Saudis claim they spent twenty two point three million on the film, not the sixteen million that was official, but I don't know. It might have just been they, they found out drugs and hookers weren't tax deductible. Yeah. Um, the film was meant to be released in 1987. It was not. Um, they tried to get a distribution deal with New World Pictures. Um, but uh, New World uh, wanted to cash in on the fact that Dalton had been cast as James Bond during the filming of this movie. What a catch for them. Holy wow. shit. Yeah. Um, so they decided to hold it back until after the first James Bond film he starred in, The Living Daylights, was released. So um, then they pushed it back to January 1988. But then Saudi Prince uh, Ibrahim decided he wanted a better deal <laughs> from the dis- from a uh, new world. <laughs> so um, they they held back. The release. Uh, then the Chicago Tribune, which owned the comic, claimed that they held all television rights, which meant that they could not, uh, that Ibrahim was, could not make any money on a TV sale once it was out of theaters. <laughs> so they said that the distribution deal that they had with New World was unacceptable. And that pushed the whole thing back even further to September of 88. Um, at which point, um, New World sued all of those other companies <laughs> and uh, got held back even longer. Um, the Saudis blocked New World from distributing the film altogether at this point. Uh the Saudis. <laughs> At, which in 1987, Brooke Shields' mom said, the film's not ready. They need about $60,000 more to re-edit it. <laughs> Brooke Shields' mom. Why is, why is she so involved with the production of this movie? I mean, she was Brooke Shields' agent, but like... Are we are we sure that Brooke Shields' numbers. mom is not the fan of Bar- Brenda Starr? Maybe. And just like saying her daughter is the fan? Yeah, could I, be. Um, New World sold the film in Zambia, Japan, Belgium, Colombia, Norway, and Swaziland. <laughs> and then in 1989, New World was bought by Pathé, uh, which is French. So it was released in France in 1989, and I assume probably. Huh. I'm, I'm assuming also those other countries. Swaziland, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but that one guy didn't tell anybody he went, so it was hard to get the numbers. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder how popular Brooke Shields was in those countries. Mm. I wonder if she had like a little spike in popularity. <laughs> Your Swaziland numbers are off the charts, <laughs> Kibosabi. A company called AMPM Productions at this point in 1990 bought the rights, the distribution rights to Brenda Starr, <laughs> because at this point no one else really was interested in the film. <laughs> um, the gas station chain AMPM? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. They cut um, 12 minutes, re edited it, and uh, set a date for release of June 1991. Um, but, um, it hadn't done well in Zambia, Norway, or Colombia, and they ended up pushing it back to 92, at which point they just dumped it. Here we are. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was not critically well received. It has 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um... If it, I'm wondering what this film's uh, legacy would be if it had been released for a full theatrical run in 1987. I think it would be a little more fondly remembered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 92 is a weird year for it to come out. Well, because yeah. at this point, we've already had Batman and Dick Tracy. In 87, it would uh -huh. have been a, an interesting and somewhat groundbreaking kind of way to make a comic movie. Yeah, the animation and live action kind of intro to the movie. Yeah, they have, have some high concept stuff they're trying to do. It wouldn't have felt as cheesy and dated in 87 as it did in 92. Yeah. Yeah, it would have fit into that, like, Alan Quartermain kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, like, Take On Me, the music video is a, mm. you know, hand-drawn animation slash live action animation. Like, that era is kind of primed for this yeah the perfect yeah. example of a movie taking too long to get off the launch pad yeah failing as a result did you see this uh quote by dalton uh go ahead and read it out um <clears throat> he says uh it's probably the best work brooks ever done i mean that's not <laughs> saying a lot wow uh, i think it's not wrong in, either but it feels was in 91 that he said that mm, i mean honestly i I enjoyed every moment of her performance. Like it wasn't it, bad. I, mean, I think that the it, it writing might be her best. Yeah. No, she had sass. She had agency. Yeah. Comic time. I, I might agree with Timothy Dalton. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah, she she was fine. She did fine. It was you know, um, because well, she's because also 19, of her weird right? child. Well, she was the, yeah, she was twenty yeah, while she 19. was filming it, and yeah. she filmed it while she was on break from college. So. Yeah, she hasn't made. She doesn't have a large body of work, to be honest. So no, her biggest is probably suddenly Susan, which I don't know. That was that. That, that was, was a that, show. her '90s sitcom. How long did that run? Um, it's like six or seven years, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oof. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, it ran for something like that. Um, yeah, no, four years. Four years. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, she did. She was fine. She was fine in this. Um, 
As we mentioned, Timothy Dalton starred as Basil St. John. Tony Peck starred as Mike Randall. Uh, Tony Peck is uh, is Gregory Peck's son. That's insane. And yeah. and he's mar- he's married it's to Cheryl. Chin. Te- yeah, yeah. I guess he's married to Cheryl Teagues. Still is. Uh, well, no. He, or like he, he, he was, was anyway. married to Cheryl Teagues. Yeah. He is not uh-huh. currently. He's currently married to Paula Peck. <laughs> they had the same. He married his sister. Yeah, they found. Well, they find each other. Uh, um, uh, just a couple other quick uh, uh, cast notes. This is largely a cast of people that didn't do a whole lot. Um, Diana Scarwood stars as uh, Libby Lip. Lipscomb, the uh, the the her rival rival reporter who wants her dead. Yes, no, she wants to murder her. (laughs) (laughs) But she's also not willing to do it herself. No, she's not. Um, uh, Diana Scarwood um, was also in Pretty Baby. Mm. Um, Oh, Rumblefish, Silkwood. Um. Yeah. So, not a lot there. Um. Nestor Serrano is Jose. I don't even know who. I don't remember who Jose was. No. Yeah. No. There were so <laughs> he was many. He the red. pilot. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor as Vladimir. That was weird. There's always money in the black, black orchid, orchid business. Yeah. Uh, June Gable as Luba. That's the uh, Russian chick. She is not Wait. related oh. okay. to, any, say, to Clark Gable. Holy shit, this movie is the children of like <laughs> yeah, no, no. golden era Hollywood. As far as I can tell, she is not related to Clark Gable. She's most well known as playing Estelle, the, uh, the uh, Joey's uh, agent on Friends. Um, oh my God, there were two Jose's. No, no, there's a second Jose. Sergio Cato also played Jose. <laughs> two, two characters just named Jose. There was also a uh, a Carl with a C, a Carl with a K, and a Carlos. Oh, my God. I feel like that's, this kind of stuff was on purpose, but it didn't read. <laughs> and yeah. any all of these characters spent two minutes on screen, maybe five. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Char- there were some guest stars. Yeah, Charles Durning here. Charles Durning played Francis Livewright. Um, he's-, <laughs> he's way into it for some reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like super into it. Uh, uh, Muppet movie. Uh, he was in Dick Tracy. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Tootsie, The Sting, Dog Day Afternoon. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Home for the Holidays, the best Thanksgiving movie. Oh. Uh, Insane. Well, planes, trains, and automobiles has something to say about that. Uh, I disagree. Mm. And I love planes, trains, and automobiles, but that that set around Thanksgiving mm. doesn't take place in Thanksgiving. But anyways, um, fair. Yeah, Charles Erling. Who else was there? Oh, Henry Gibson. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like a, a Nazi again? Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Henry Gibson. Um, Let's see. Uh, oh, Kathleen Wilhoit as Hank O'Hare. Um, it's 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 interesting that she 
that 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 this was a female character named Hank who was so like gruff and crusty. Yeah. Um, she, oh, uh, God, she's she's a character actress. I recognize her. Let's see, she was in Murphy's Lorenzo's Oil. Oh, she was in Roadhouse. Oh yeah, she was a little waitress, the sassy waitress. I knew that's she was right. That's right. Oh, familiar. and she was also in Twin Peaks. Uh, she had a guest role in Twin Peaks. I can't remember oh. who she played, but yeah, I definitely recognized her. That's who she. Yeah, I recognized her, but I couldn't place her. Yeah. yeah. Um. And of course, Ed Nelson as President Harry S. Truman. <laughs> I think it's funny that Annie gets FDR, but Brenda Starr can only get Truman. Can get colossal asshole. Yeah. Forget the atom bombs. I I, I heard it was just historically the biggest prick you could ever fucking. Yeah, no, I I can't help but think that if FDR knew he was going to die, he would never have picked Truman for his fourth term. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oof. Um, yeah, uh, he was played by Ed Nelson, as I mentioned, who is best known as Dr. Michael Rossi on Peyton Place. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a boomer thing that I know nothing about. <laughs> you kids may know me best. Yeah, Sergeant Fatso Judson. <laughs> From here to eternity. Uh, um, so yeah, that's about it for the background. Um, I have a few, uh, Reviews here okay. from Letterbox. It was not reviewed by Siskel and Ebert. They did not spend any time on this. Um, like it's beneath them, cowards. I, yeah. Once again, owned by one of their. Oh, that's companies. true. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, it was the, this. The reviews for this thing on by the people <laughs> of the world on Letterbox <laughs> is crazy. There's hardly any five stars, hardly any one stars. There's a lot of people in the middle. Far out. Yeah. I never would have. Yes. So um, nobody wants to give Brooks, Brooks Shields one star. Nobody does. She is darling. Um, and, well, and it, Brenda Starr, she needs more than one star. I don't know. Uh, oh. Brenda, five star. <laughs> or, or three. I don't, yeah. I don't know. It wasn't that great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in-depth review writes, when I saw Brooke Shields riding two alligators like water skis, I knew I had found something fantastic. <laughs> three stars. I'm with them. <laughs> three stars. Yeah. Some, but not all. Wow. Uh, um, Danger Storm writes, I'm sad that she had no belly button. Two stars. <laughs> Somebody's strangely sexually attracted to a belly button. Yes. Very, I mean, it's weird not to have one, but it's a weird thing to be like, oh, that's the too lack of belly button doesn't do it for me. Ruin the movies. Yeah. Um, Queen Surprise writes, silly fun with girly fashion. Great wigs. Three stars. Okay. I Yeah. And Abby writes... Shout out to Madison, who spent their her hard-earned three ninety nine on this rental, so I could give it a bad rating. Thanks, girl. <laughs> I hope that they have a podcast. That's two stars. Um, uh, so yeah, um, 
I don't know, guys. You're ready to just jump into the movie. Yeah, let's, let's just get down the Amazon. Draw ourselves into the panel. All right, here we go. This is Brenda Starr. We open on a credit sequence <laughs> over. Oh, uh, quick quick note. So this movie only currently exists in uh, the in four three uh, TV format. It is not uh-huh. pos- there is no digital uh, print available of it in its original theatrical format. Um, it was released only on DVD and that and VHS. Like so, the original theatrical print just as far as we are. I, can tell just doesn't exist anymore wild yeah um only dvd rips exist (laughs) they're only (laughs) the only copies are used in black sites in saudi arabia (laughs) for torture uh so yeah uh we there's a credit sequence over panels of the comic strip then uh comic artist is drawing a panel he's bad at mouths apparently Um, we find out uh, his name is Mike. Mike Randall. He doesn't like the story he got from the creator of the strip and complains to himself about Brenda. And then Brenda just comes to life and walks out of the panel into a different part of the story. Yeah, so like this stuff, they were trying to do some high concept stuff that just ended up being like extra baggage, i.e. Mike. But yeah, yeah. it's it's. Um, the yeah. the whole like meta fourth wall breaking portion of it was really weird and handled pretty clumsily. Like there's nothing that so. sparked her coming to life. She just got sick of his shit and left. Yeah. And sometimes he, that's all it takes. Yes. And he's not the creator. He doesn't like it. He doesn't care. Very weird. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's just. No one's invested in the conflict in the beginning at all. No, you know, and it, all of a sudden Mike is attracted to his animation because it started talking to him. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. But then, like when he draws himself in, there's no like. He's just there. Like it's so. Confusing. Yeah, he's just there. How all of this works is so confusing. Like I, I don't know. He could have drawn himself in with like a gun or something too. Yeah, but also like he like, they. I, okay, so like they didn't hang a hat enough on the meta aspect of it, and then sometimes like they just talk about it just straightforwardly, and everyone yeah did, like yeah like uh, I need you to come back with me to be in the cartoon or but, come back with me to the real world. Well, like becomes he, the, uh, he needs her to come plot. back to what he was drawing, but like what I don't know. This is all very confusing. Why? Yeah. Because she didn't leave the comic strip. When I read the description, I thought she like left the strip and came to the real world. But that's not what she did. No, <laughs> she, she just, just went on her own. Yeah, she just went to a different, a different part of the comic strip he wasn't currently drawing. Oh, uh, so but pick. but also not initially. Initially, she's still in that building where the O'Shea gang, which is one Irish guy with a Tommy gun, is holding <laughs> the police dressed, at bay. Dressed like a movie Italian gangster. Yeah. Public enemy number three. That's right. Yeah, number three. <laughs> and his accent slipped in and out. It's funny. 
Yeah, no, it was terrible. And also, again, why would an Irish-American gangster have an Irish accent in the first place? Uh-oh. Uh, um, he did grow up in Ireland. Oh, did they mention that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so she uh, wants to interview him, get his, like, uh, childhood story, his life story. Okay. Um, he's talking about some teacher who had it out for him. So he is fresh off the boat then. <clears throat> More or less. But uh, <laughs> showed up, got a Tommy gun, and started fighting the cops. Like he got blamed for something and he had to sit on the bench uh, uh, at the school. So he decided if he was going to take the blame for stuff, he might as well do it. Okay, that's far more backstory. That's more backstory than we get for any of the actual characters, <laughs> right? Hey, Kappa. Uh, so, anyways, uh, she infiltrates the building where the leader of the O'Shea gang is in a standoff with police. We meet her nemesis, Libby Lipscomb, a reporter from a rival newspaper. Brenda's taken hostage uh, by the gangster. They go out on the window ledge with her. Uh, they fall off the building. <laughs> Brenda manages to put him underneath her, which cushions her fall with his body. I love that. I the the mid fall just, just twist it. I, I loved watched. It. <laughs> yeah, the the fall was not that high. The, the fall of the 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 background of the building kept recycling, going past yeah. them. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wish this movie had stayed in that lane. And acknowledged how absurd things like that were. Right. But it, they but it doesn't. It, like there are moments when we get into absurdity and surreal stuff. She's riding alligators, you know. Like the Russians <laughs> are surreal themselves. They're fucking so weird. But they just there's no there's no like acknowledging this is all weird. They're just trying to like rush past these weird things. Yeah, yeah. Tonally it was all over the place. At times it was almost too serious. And then at other times, it's extremely absurd, and it. But just this, this, the fall from the window is like a. It's hilarious. It plays for so long that it's like you hit the comedic beat before they hit the ground. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> and like I can see they did that purposefully, but like they never kept that level of yeah. camp. It wasn't campy and, enough. It should have been campy. No, it wasn't. Is he in the comic, or is she in the <laughs> real world? Oh, they're, they're in the comic. They're in the comic. They are all yeah. in the comic. But it's also very confusing because she just walks into a different part. I, I don't know. I don't understand it. All right. Yeah, I'll, I don't know why I'm trying to figure it out. So uh, she survives. She ends up in the hospital. <laughs> she just has a bandage on her round her head, uh, which is always hilarious to me. I love when they just put a bandage around the head. Because, <laughs> like, what is that helping? Unless there's, like, an abrasion. That yeah. you're that you're covering, it's, like, it's like a moistened cloth. Yeah, <laughs> like also get like a a blanket and a cup of coffee. Um, she wakes up in the hospital. Uh, oh no no! At this point, in a panic, Mike is afraid he'll get fired, so he draws himself into the strip, putting himself in the comic world. Um, Brenda wakes up in the hospital. She gets visited by her co-workers, Hank O'Hare and Pesky Miller. They tell her she's a hero, is getting a medal from the chief, 
She's visited by Libby, who taunts her that she's got a big story that Brenda can't compete with. So then, <laughs> and I'll fucking murder you if you try. <laughs> yeah. Brenda heads back to the uh, paper. Oh, also, they're getting their. There's something about their salaries are being cut, and then they never really address that again later. I guess they all got a, their salaries cut. <laughs> you know, chicks. Yeah. Um, they and, said uh, circulation was down for the Flash. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Mike is looking for Brenda around the city. Brenda arrives at the office. She's greeted as a hero. Sees her boss, who shows her a film strip of a Einsteinian looking scientist. A, <laughs> at play. Yeah. It's filmed like really goofy home movie. <laughs> yes. No. It's not like science like just set the camera up and watch the experiment or whatever. They're all it's like old timey movies where they move fast like Benny Hill and they're waving and they're like goofing around. I mean he's clearly he's a, gonna stick a hole uh, he's clearly a, a huckster and not a scientist. Yeah in that video. At, well, you know? but, but he and he's like selling it to like the the, the native people. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but tribesmen. Yeah, but, but I'm confused as to why the native people would be impressed that right. the magic bird, which they apparently don't understand airplanes, why they would be impressed that it has a different source of fuel. Than yeah, alternative fuel source. Uh, if anyone's seen or heard of Fitzgeraldo, the the Werner Herzog movie, I don't know. He it looks just like Klaus Kinski's character, just the crazy <laughs> wild German in the middle of a jungle, just animatedly screaming. Hmm. It was almost intentional. <laughs> you know, uh, anyway. So he has the alternative fuel source. Yeah, I can make it. He he adds Nazi. it. He can add it to water. Yes, he's a Nazi scientist. Um. So living uh, in Brazil, because, uh, you know, they all invested in a bunch of property in Brazil in the late 40s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he didn't get uh, uh, snagged by the paperclip. Um, yeah, so she's going to head off and try to get yes, the scoop on this before Libby can get it. Mostly. Meanwhile, Mike is reading a comic of himself in the comic that he's in the comic and he's reading a comic of himself that's forecasting what's about to happen to him. And then a fortune teller, he sees the fortune teller in the comic. And then the fortune teller just appears at the table. He's at in the cafe. Who's drawing and then just disappears. Yeah. This was, this was one of the most confusing scenes to me. I did not understand what was happening at all. Yeah. And it's never really explained or brought back up. I thought maybe he'd continue looking at the strip to see what was going to happen. <clears throat> but no. Um, so then Brenda visits Harry Truman and plays piano for a while. <laughs> and Harry Truman. That's what he was known for. Yeah. yeah. Being Harry- friendly and warm. <laughs> playing playing the piano. Yeah. And playing piano. <laughs> and he tells her he's worried that the Russians are going to get this fuel and use it to put a giant magnifying glass in front of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> that's just so it literally I, is a Mr. Burns <laughs> I love that that's the threat and who does he call ace reporter Brenda Starr yeah well is this not a nuclear world are there no nuclear weapons uh, I, I don't Tru- know Truman dropped the bomb but I mean like is this an alternate universe oh, right. where In like world, I the biggest it, threat yeah. to humanity is a magnifying yeah. glass in space I guess so 
I like I don't know. I don't know anything. Yeah. This movie was so so confusing on every single level. Um uh Brenda heads back to the office where she meets Basil St. John, a spy with an eye patch. He tells Basil. Basil. Basil St. John. Basil. <laughs> Coriander St. John. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean I'm not trying to be a stickler, but yeah, it's a it's common Basil. British yeah, name. Basil. Yeah, as yeah. A, uh Basil Faulty. Yeah. Um so uh he's tells her the scientist is in a small village in the Amazon where he's from. He lives there, I guess, on a plantation. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say he's not native to the jungles of the Amazon, but a plantation no, he, definitely he, makes sense. He escaped Germany, right? It's just was another he a Nazi too? I mean, I would assume so. He's wearing an eye. I thought he was. He seemed like it. He either seemed like a Nazi or Albert Einstein's brother. We're I'm, talking about two different people. Oh. No, we're Sorry. talking about... Oh, we're talking about... Timothy Bas- Dalton. Ba- Basil Fawlty. Oh, 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 yes. Basil. Basil is a... Basil says so. he's from Brazil. He has a British accent. And I'm very... Uh, he says his whole family's from Brazil. They cultivate that flower. Is he... Is... Is he the in, uh, inspiration for the Brazilian helicopter pilot in Inside Out? Do you guys remember that little short sequence mm. where the, the mom's little emotions are like, well, we could also have been with that helicopter pilot. And it's like this dream boat. He's in all black it's, and he's got like the Timothy Dalton hair. Wow, it looks just like Timothy Dalton in this movie. It's, huh. it's weird. I don't know. But he's Brazilian. Long, it's been too long since I've seen Inside Out. I don't remember. Yeah. Huh. Um, is he a Nazi? Hmm. I, I feel like he could be or not, and it wouldn't really. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't understand who this character is supposed to be at all. I don't at all. Other than Timothy Dalton in an eye patch. <laughs> um, he, he's descended from English pirates. Well, and later on, he's Zorro. Yeah, I don't know. It's not supposed to be explained. He's the mystery man. All, all right. right. Except he takes her to his house. Which they didn't have the money to film, so they drew it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, gotcha, Adams. Yeah. So uh, he's gonna help Brenda. Uh, Libby <laughs> has planted a bug and is listening in, and the Russians are listening in to her. Is that what's happening there? Yes, yes. I love the piggybacking on spy stuff. That that made me laugh so hard when, when they cut when they cut from one mic to the other room to the mic in that room to the other room. That shit got me. That that and like those are the things that I wanted from this movie is more like absurd. Yeah, that's and, absurd. And, and Vladimir, supposedly the head Russian, just like, uh, who is this? Why are we and listening who, to this? Who is she listening to? And who no. is Basil? <laughs> <laughs> and who thinks they can steal our giant magnifying glass? <laughs> Which we're gonna put near the sun. <laughs> <sighs> um, yeah, the spy stuff. It like it's like it almost walks up to top secret territory yeah. and then backs off. Um, I think of that scene where she and Basil are at the table and there are the different contingencies at the table. Like the CIA clearly looks like the CIA with an American flag, like the French secret police. Like that that's almost top secret. 
type yeah. humor. And then they just sort of abruptly stop. They're like, nope, we don't want to get it too wacky. Yeah, they should have this, gone like, all imagine in. Imagine like a table of CIA guys sending you a drink. You know, there's four. They look the way they look in American who, flags. Who did Airplane? The Zucker, uh, the Zucker, Zucker brothers. The, yeah. yeah. This this needed some of that juice. That's what they did top secret yeah. as well with Valkyrie. Yeah. 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 The they, spy movie. They, they yeah. should have gone full Zucker. Yeah. 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 I know a little German. He's right over there. <laughs> um, so uh, Brenda gets on a flight to Brazil and is immediately drugged by the Russians who kidnapped her. <laughs> she's, she's an ace detective, but man, is she a gullible idiot. Mm. Look over there while I drug your drink and you can hear it fizz. A lot of gullible idiots in this one, boy. Yeah, I, everybody uh, has to be an idiot for this movie to work. The way that she looked at the drink, I thought she was going to be wise to the fact that he just slipped her a Mickey, but no. No. She's all, Mickey Finns are my favorite drink, yeah. actually. Joke's on I you. I'm the, into this. I love the blackout. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretending to be from Puerto Rico. I love the Puerto Rico. I love that. I yeah. love that. You're Puerto Rican? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> da. He says da. da. Yeah, See, again, it gets there and it does it and then it just backs away and is too much too cowardly to go full full on right because because cuba would have made sense with the da with the russian thing yeah puerto rico's puerto rico's ours so it was yeah you're yeah, puerto yeah. rican it's a puerto little- rico was a weird choice i love that they were in puerto rico though it's cool to see puerto rico in a movie yeah they actually Honestly. shot it they shot the entire yeah. thing all of the jungle stuff was in puerto rico which I assumed once they yeah. were in the Amazon, I was like, this is still Puerto Rico. Let's yeah. be real. All of it was Puerto Rico. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, but I agree. It should have been Cuba would have made way more sense for the story to have Russians. It, yeah. I mean, it, also yeah. around the end of the cold war, like, yeah, it would make sense. It would have made a lot more sense for Russia. Like, yeah, Castro, he's communist. It's right there. Come yeah. On. If I was going to install a giant magnifying glass, I'd do it on Cuba. That's closest to us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take out Miami. The, the Bay of Magnified Pigs. Uh, crisis. <laughs> they look so big. <laughs> the they Bay look of so Magnified big. Pigs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're just normal sized pigs. Why did we bring all these tanks? <laughs> Once Those you giant get closer, pigs will eat us all. <laughs> I, for one, welcome our pig overlords. <laughs> uh, Tank, tanks for nothing. <laughs> tanks. Yeah. So totally. <laughs> um, she escapes using makeup and her purse from the Russians. Uh, Which was funny because they're. They're going through her purse and they find she's got, they actually say, is like, why did she, she clearly doesn't wear this much makeup? Why does she have it all? And it's all like um, her escape, her combat makeup. I think that was her real makeup, though. I think that was her her whole self care routine yeah. in her bag. And she's just crafty. I, I wish we'd really, seen some grease paint. This, like her, a clown. this is another moment where it's like, oh my God. What is she can't wear all this makeup? And then they show her putting it on. Mm-hmm. That was all, so funny. Yeah, no. So funny to me. There are all these moments and it just walks up to that edge. Um, yeah. So there's a big chase sequence through the streets of Puerto Rico. Uh, she meets back up with Basil, who is now Zorro. Uh, <laughs> uh, another uh, top secret style humor. Uh, the two goons uh, mm-hmm. pick up Vladimir and use him as battering ram yes yeah try and get oh, through the yes. door 
Yes. His yeah, head is very cool. dense. No, oh, they well, they're yeah. using his feet. Yeah. But yeah. the still like the look on his face, he just goes completely stiff, but he's clearly not enjoying this. You know, I, I, I think through all of this, Jeffrey Tambor had a really good tone. A really good <laughs> tambor. <laughs> yes. A tambor. Uh, anyways. Tambor. Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah. So they <laughs> I love when he takes his Zoro mask off and he has the eye patch under the mask. So good. That's like the two mustaches. Uh, the two mustaches. <laughs> so they uh, they ride their horses straight into what appears to be a random plane and so take yeah. us to the Amazon. Oh, this was another uh, fantastical moment where so she, he picks her up uh, and they're riding on one horse and they ride behind a bush. And there's a, a flash, and they come out on two different horses. Yeah. Puerto Rico. <laughs> the magical, mystical magical. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, so they fly to Brazil. Um, her and Basil have a romantic dinner, and he tells her that his family needs the serum of the black orchid, or they'll go insane. Before their no, no. time. Before, Before their, their time. time. Thank you, Al. <laughs> their time for going insane. <laughs> <laughs> like there's an expiration date, like eggs or something. This, what, but later on, this turns out to be what's in this formula, right? No, the the black orchid did not uh, was not in the fuel formula. Okay, I really thought they were going to go there and then. <laughs> but her response to this explanation is, nobody's perfect. Yeah, so weird. Um, I will go and say before my time, nobody's perfect. <laughs> nobody's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I, my, my follow-up question would be, okay, and so when is your time? When, when is that? How long do I have? March 22nd, 2000. Yeah. yeah. My time. Uh, As if we all go insane. That's just a part of going old. So, going insane. Yeah. <laughs> insane. So then Mike flies to the Amazon with Lib and as does Libby Lipscomb. I'm unsure as to how they I don't know. I don't know how Mike figured out how she to She was there. hiding inside the horse. How did how did Mike get money for an airplane? I I'm very confused about a lot of things. Shining shoes. Okay. <laughs> Mike arrives at the dinner. Brenda tells him off she's still mad about what he said when he was drawing her she's completely aware she's a comic strip character and he is the artist who draws her yeah he knows she knows him well and um so uh she and basil kiss uh she goes back to the hotel there are unconscious russians in the room mike tells mike is there also he tells her he knocked them out then he takes a bath, and they talk about her purses and clothes. <laughs> and her lack and, of a navel. And yeah. bad language. She sees his, his belly button. Is like, were you in the war? Did you get wounded? <laughs> yeah, and he says we can't draw a belly button because of the censors. Like, that's... Well, I that's love true. that. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the funnier bits inside this, like, I drew you, you're in a comic book, I'm inside the comic book thing. There needed to be way more of this. Well, yeah, and they're talking like, well, clearly I wouldn't be able to afford all these clothes on my salary as a reporter. Yeah. Which was the thing. Uh, 
uh, Dahlia Messick, uh, she got letters from actual female reporters uh, saying, uh, asking her to like draw Brenda Starr more true to life. And Messick was like, well, if I did that, nobody would read it. Right. Who cares about Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, I, um, I wonder how many young girls read this and were like, I could be a journalist. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Lois Lane. Baba yeah, Wawa. Uh, well, I mean, Lois Lane. Is, it, I, I could kiss Superman. Con- yeah. <laughs> Connie Chung. She barely works. Yeah. <laughs> Connie Chung and the love of her life, Maury Povich. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he's ever like, I'm not the father? <laughs> Connie's like, oh, you're so hilarious. Like, All right. Maury, just eat your. <laughs> Ma- Maury likes Spinach. to wear an eye patch. Yeah, <laughs> they, they usually just. Pre- I just thought he pretended to be Geraldo from time to time. <laughs> he puts on a mustache, <laughs> rips it um, off, and there's another mustache. Uh, but it is interesting that um, you know in, in the movie Brenda thinks it's him, Mike, the artist, that has a problem with how she looks and how she dresses. Like you're always criticizing me. You don't like the and it. You know it's the censors. But of course, from her perspective, he's just constantly changing her because he's unsatisfied. Neat little meta. Yeah. Um, It's like, it's not me. (laughs) The the conversation about the the tiny purses where she's complaining that he always draws her with her purses too small. Um, It just clicked with me when we were talking about the makeup that she's got these small purses and she's complaining how she has to carry around tiny little notebooks because the purses are too small, but it's stuffed with makeup and perfume. Yeah. Ob- yeah. At the same time. It's just be shopping. Uh, um, so they head out to a boat. She tries to lose a mic on the way. <laughs> um, they're also being followed by the Russians and Libby Lipscomb. Um, they get to the boat. She tells the crew Mike's her photographer, so he won't get shot by the captain. I also love that Mike's like... Are you in love with that one-eyed guy? (laughs) But, uh, yeah. yeah. Mercenaries on the boat. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so they, yeah, they're going to, so, yeah, the boat, the the boat crew double crosses them. They're going to throw them into the piranha-infested river. Um, Yeah, uh, I love the, like, oh, he's getting seasick (laughs) on a river. Well, he says on the Amazon, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so, oh, and Libby arrived and made a deal with another boat captain to go up the river. Uh, Oh my God, the real captain, pilot, the real captain who's being held down, you know, below deck. The real Captain Borg? Yeah, he was what, Norwegian? I knew immediately that wasn't the real captain. (laughs) No, the the, the Norwegian guy, his accent was just... Hilarious. All the accent work in this like movie the no, 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 you're right, but no, this guy was so good. Yeah. So good. Panana. Yeah, I can't do his voice. I'd have to listen again. He cracked uh, me up. Yeah, so anyways. The, uh, Eat the cow in five seconds? Oh, I slipped into Scottish <laughs> right at the end there. Nothing but the blood. The only Swedish I know is Boing Boing D. So whacking fish on the counter yeah more more, more. And nate faxon's character on what um our flag means oh better. yeah he's great 
the Swede. Uh, um, so yeah, the uh, yeah, uh, the captain and the other, <laughs> the captain and the fake captain both fall in to the piranhas. Um, Mike and Brenda jump off the other side of the boat. They swim to shore and escape through the jungle. They spend the night in a tree. And the next day, they catch a ride with a traveling circus. Yeah, in the middle of the Amazon. And they're all Romani. <laughs> like, except yeah, for the it, capoeira guys. Yes, yes. For yes. Yeah, the capoeira yeah. guys. Hmm. Yeah, they have the, the gypsy wagon and everything. How do you yeah. travel through the Amazon with that? Do they slash and no, burn like areas to put on there? Like, yes, there there are no traveling troops of, of circus people in the Amazon. <laughs> There aren't a lot of roads, bro. Yeah, it's the Amazon. Especially at that time. Yeah, in the well, 40s. Now, now you could drive around the Amazon all you want. It's all, uh, yeah. what's it called? Um, it, it's all cattle land now. Well, cattle land, and what's that That nut that everybody grows for the oil? Oh, uh, uh, coconut nut? Castor oil. Is it castor oil it, that they're making? It's palm, which, palm oil. Palm oil, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, palm oil, which they replaced. Palm oils. That's what's killing all the orangutans. Yeah. Yeah. Like taking all those up there. Um, so, uh, I love you, Dr. Zayas. Sorry, I had to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I hate every chimp I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. Um, so, uh, they, yeah, they're with the circus. The Russians arrive and the circus performers, there's a whole thing where they're, fighting and jumping and twirling and they may try <laughs> they try to force her to work the the high wire yes she asks for a change of clothes and they put her in that skippy little uh carney performer <laughs> yeah the way sexy carney's dress it's like, <laughs> sexy carney's <laughs> Ooh. she could have worked the bottle throw uh Old Jebediah is <laughs> the sexiest carny around. Um, so they. There's another fun Vladimir moment where he's trapped by the jugglers. Yeah. Um, and then, he, like, he's scared, but then eventually he's like fascinated by them. Well, and starts juggling with them, but he's not really juggling. He's not just really waving, juggling. Waving two up and down. Yeah. Um. The uh yeah so anyways they escape um Mike and. And Brenda escape in a circus truck, and while driving, they just start making out. So they crash. Right. Which is like, c- come on, Mike. Um, there may be roads in Brazil, but they're not straight. Yeah. Watch out for that river. But also, like, <laughs> Where we're going. Like, stop, make out, and then continue driving. Like, you don't make out while you're driving. That's a, come on. Well, and you're not yeah. going to make it to second base with your uh, hands on the wheel. Yeah. Well, his hands weren't on the wheel, which is why they crashed. <laughs> he's he's trying to take the risky second base maneuver while behind the wheel of the car. <laughs> the second base maneuver. Uh, so uh, they start walking. To... They they just run into Basil. Bro, the he, Amazon's yeah, not he... that big. It's a couple of acres. Yeah, he, <laughs> he just canoes on up. Yeah. Just canoes on up. 
<laughs> can I canoe you? <laughs> um, so they go on a boat. They're going upriver to the village. <laughs> this is the weirdest sequel to Apocalypse Now I've ever seen. Oh, the canoe. Rambo. <laughs> They're going upriver. When he rides up, the canoe is relatively short, but then when they leave, it's like twice as long. <laughs> yeah. And they've got Mike stuck the on the front. Of the Amazon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> separated from Brenda and Basil. <laughs> and he brought lunch. Yes. Naturally. He, he drew lunch. Um. So uh, they eventually get to the village where the scientists... Puerto Verde? Yes. Um, they go into a bar. They ask about the scientist. He's sick in bed in the back of the bar. <laughs> and they go in. He dies. But uh, Brenda finds the formula on him. Uh, when they leave, the bartender calls Berlin, I guess. I'm not sure who he calls because then no one from Berlin shows up. It's just the Russians and everyone again. Maybe it was the Russians. Contact in Berlin. Or Libby Lipscomb. Or or Eastern Berlin, you know. Oh, East Berlin. That's right. I forgot there was that happening. Um, and then technically they're Soviets still because this is the 50s, right? Yeah. Or 40s because Truman's president. He was president until 52. <laughs> okay, that's right. That's right. He yeah, made he his way into years. Korea. Uh, so they, uh, yeah, they're they're heading towards Basil's house where Brenda can use the phone, but they run into Libby and the Russians, and there's a whole thing. They fall in the river. They're throwing the purse back and forth, which has the formula in it. This is the point where Brenda water skis on the alligators. <laughs> the best part of the movie, man. This yeah, is the high she point. Fonzie to shame. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. She didn't just jump the shark. She skied the gators. <laughs> Wait, you know, jumping the shark predates this, right? So this is clearly a reference to the fawns riding two sharks. Like I, I, I would assume that this is like because that's one of the more popular. I mean, we're still saying jump the shark in 2023. It's been 40 years, 45. <laughs> it's in the le- it's in the lexicon. It's separate yeah. from Happy Days at this point. It's like Doe Homer's, you know, yeah, like, or yeah. or like Stan. You know, people forget yeah. that it came from a. Eminem song, yeah, like it exactly. outgrew its origins. Mm-hmm. But it, I think that that was clearly them being like, "This will be funny if we put that in." Yeah. Did you say REM song or Eminem song? Oh, Eminem song. Oh, Eminem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which one you mean. That the, the song "Stand" yeah, the... is where is where this the term "stands" of of yeah. No, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> I, did anybody else notice last night in that Eminem's commercial in the movie that uh, the green one just? Wasn't as sexy as she is. <laughs> I disagree. I I like. Well, that was Tucker like, Carlson's big thing. I like my green M Ms to be uh, relatively androgynous. What can I say? I, I like most of my candies to be, if it's going to be anthropomorphic. Re- remember, remember when the rumor was that the green M Ms made girls horny? <laughs> I do. No, that, I don't. Remember that was that. a schoolyard rumor. That was a schoolyard rumor. Yeah. yeah. How old were you? Created by women to get free M&M's. Nine, eight, somewhere around there. It was mid-80s. Yeah. The green ones made girls horny, so you always want to give them the green M&M's. I I was very unclear as to what that would actually mean when a girl got horny at the age of nine, but I was willing to take a chance. Um, 
Lots of hitting. I'm, I assume you just get punched by a so. girl. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they, they uh, escape from them. They get to Basil's house. Vladimir and Luba get eaten by a crocodile. Yes. Yeah. They're just gone now. They're he gets his head um, eaten by the crocodile. But uh, there, there's a short scene where the crocodile's swimming with Luba's cigar, and you can hear their voices <laughs> inside. Yeah. Catch them! Help me! <sighs> um, but I don't think they show up again. No, no, no. They're gone. No. They're out of the movie. <laughs> It would have been funny if they had like ridden the crocodile all the way to some other scene in the movie, <laughs> and they crawl out of the crocodile out. Mouth. They yeah. it to another scene. <laughs> um, yeah. So at Basil's house, Libby shows up with the uh, the captain that she's apparently sleeping with now, <laughs> and steals Jose? the formula. Yeah, Jose. One well, of the, one of the Jose's. She, she paid him, but she did not have money. Right. Well, and he like initially, initially, initially she paid him 150 bucks and gave him her garter belt. Her garter belt. And then belt. when she needs a second ride, he says, "I want more than your garter belt this time." Yeah. And Even they, after the garter belt thing, she gives her of a sexy look, like a sexy knowing, like. Mm-hmm. Now, Lib- yeah. Lib- folks at home, Lib- folks at home, I'm doing an incredibly sexy face right now. <laughs> It is incredibly <laughs> sexy. Let's be clear. Just Libby, to verify. Libby Lipscomb's a Hellcat in bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's She's got a lot of those Sharon Stone basic instinct vibes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so. You might not survive the night. No. But she'll show you her vagina. <laughs> she, she, if, you, if you know what Look I mean. <laughs> If you get my drift, <laughs> I was no really kicking and screaming. Like, he ate all the green M&Ms, yes, I'm and assuming. Green. She'll fuck you on a tennis court if you know what I mean. <laughs> I thought the fuck her on a tennis court if you get my meaning. I no, I have no idea. I what have no idea what you guys are talking about. Watch, oh, oh kicking and screaming. Movie. Yeah, okay. It, it was uh, Noah Bombach's first Gen film. X. Oh, okay. Yeah. One of the best Gen X movies. So good, yeah. Created. Um, because it's so non-Gen X, but also very Gen X. So Because it's Noah Baumbach, and he doesn't actually know what the kids are doing. Uh, but, uh... Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's spot on. No, it really is. That ennui. But, yeah, but it it being Noah Baumbach, they're, they're all constantly wearing suits and just sitting around. Um... Well, that's the whole deal. Like, remember the chick? She's, you guys all talk the same. You know, just that idea of yeah. the insular click. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Libby takes off with the formula. She ties up Mike, Brenda, and Basil. Uh, the next day, Mike and Brenda discover that the formula was fake because they see it melted the car engine they used it on. I I skipped the thing where they put the formula in the car engine earlier, but they did that, <laughs> and it made the oh, car go yeah. fast. Um, it turns out it's actually what Al. I can't remember. You look like you were um, it down. It was acetone mixed with uh, model rocket fuel. Yeah, fingernail yeah. polish remover. Yes. Um, they have a scoop that the formula is a fake. Um, back in New York, Libby gets humiliated by Brenda's story. Brenda gets hailed as a hero. 
Mike and Brenda have a romantic moment where he shows her how he draws her. Uh-oh. Yeah. Like one of his French girls. Um, <laughs> then he goes back to the real world where he's happy to bra- draw Brenda every day. Roll credits. Yep. That was indeed a series of images synced with sound that I viewed. Moving pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't have any unanswered questions or thoughts on this thing. No. I just, I think the the mechanic of him drawing himself into the movie, uh, it needed to be used again. He needed to, like, draw them an alligator or something later on. In yeah, the movie. there should have been. Yeah. It was simultaneously too meta and not meta enough. Right, yeah. he should have been able to change things in the moment, mm-hmm. and he he just was not. Yeah. He was often in peril in his own story. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have loved to have him be able to change Barbara Star on a whim. She can speak like, Russian now or something. Like I said in the text, uh, Mike was the most cartoonish character in this movie. Yeah, by far, easily. Yeah, <sighs> they um, didn't know what to do with him. You seemed- often. Uh, you often heard swirly birds. Um, you you didn't see them, but you heard the the tweeting of birds when he oh. got like conked or something like that. And when he took the shot of Pinga, mm. um, just the the sound effects that that were yeah, going along. There were a lot, a lot of subtle sound effects. Um, at one point when Brenda's car breaks down before Basil picks her up uh, in Puerto Rico the car breaks down and it's like a guy pretend like voicing a car breaking down mm. <laughs> yeah there were some there were some it, it groans at the elements. end oh. <laughs> yeah um I didn't even really I forgot to mention the uh the director of the film because it feels like it wasn't directed. <laughs> Um, so much as it just came into existence, but it was Robert Ellis Miller, who is best known for absolutely nothing. Um, he made a bunch of stuff, but none of it is anything anyone's ever heard of. He directed on a TV series in the 60s, which is not <laughs> something you want to put on who your resume. Who didn't? Yeah. Yeah. His, he made a film called Any Wednesday, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, The Buttercup Chain. Oh, I've heard of the second one. The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, starring Sandra yeah. Locke. Uh-huh. 1968. Um, after this, um, God, he has so many credits that are just nothing. His final, final film was The Angel of Pennsylvania Avenue from 1996. Um... Yeah, um, starring Robert Urich. <laughs> um, the but oh, he got he got nominated. Oh, he won the Palm Dior for the Buttercup Chain in 1970. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Um, the Heart Is a Lonely Hunter got nominated for Best Picture. Okay, so I mean, he's not nobody, but like, yeah, this movie's not good, <laughs> not well directed. But I don't know. Any final thoughts, guys, before we move on? No. It's not a great movie, but it was funny and cute. 
Um, I, I forgave it for a lot of things, knowing that it was filmed in 86. Yeah. I treated it like an 80s movie, even though it didn't appear in the U.S. until 92. And I don't know. (laughs) Good for you. There were some fantastic movies in the 80s. Yeah. This This not among them. This movie was filmed two years after Ghostbusters was released. Like, (laughs) Yeah. I don't think they succeeded. This feels like Howard the Duck levels of, like, missing the goal of the thing. Yeah. You know? I agree with that. Yeah. Like they had a clear, clear goal and they landed five miles past it, you know? I mean, or she was cute, it, but I don't know that the story was all that cute. Yeah. It, yeah. But anyway. Brooke Shields works as Brenda Starr. Yeah, she was fine. She was fine. She looks the part. She looked great in all of the, uh, all of the clothes. And every time that they revealed her in a new outfit, it was like, impressive it wasn't like oh she got a new outfit on Mm. so all right i think that's it that's it for Mm -hmm. brenda star um next week on harmless phosphorescence we'll be getting into holiday phosphorescence we're gonna be doing some christmas movies um so uh we'll be back to our regular programming after the holidays uh until then Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us. This has been your host, Thoreau Smiley, urging you to bug off, Buster. <laughs> I'm Josh Cece, and I feel like I've been Brenda Scarred. The question is, who are all these people in this movie we just watched? I don't get any of this. I'm Brian Lash. They say, staring into the eye of an Alaric Weber, a person can become encantado. It's true. (laughs) Cobra Grande. (laughs) We'll see you next time, everyone. Bye. Bye.